Hello and welcome to the Perceptive Photographer Podcast. This is episode 414 and today we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, returning to the topic of artificial intelligence in photography. I am your host Daniel Gregory. Hope you're having a great week. Thanks so much for being a part of the podcast community. Whether you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener, we really do appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your week to check out the podcast. And don't forget if you are interested in taking a workshop from me, head on up to my website danieldegregory.com. Under the workshops you'll see a whole host of online and in-person workshops. And feel free to reach out with to me, with me, I guess to me, if you have any questions. All right. So uh, several months ago, I talked about the nature of some of the things that I've been thinking about with artificial intelligence and how that approaches photography. And one of those is that the things we create through artificial intelligence are different enough from a photograph and how a photograph is created that we should have a different name for them, whether it's digital art or AI generated art or machine art or something like that. The idea was that because photography is indexical of the real world, and these are generated out of the imagination of the creator through the vocabulary they use, the very specific language prompts they use to create the photograph, and the machine that has learned from looking at thousands of photographs, but it has never actually seen the location or been to the location. And so that difference is, I think, interesting. And that was the, the point of that podcast. But I've been thinking a lot more about artificial intelligence, particularly because I get asked a lot about this. And I get asked in sort of two different camps. I get one asked about workflow. When do I use any one of these AI plugins or tools, whether they're in Photoshop, Lightroom, Topaz, On One? When do I use those in my actual workflow? And what do I think of some of those tools? And I think some of those tools are absolutely amazing as tools for selection, cleaning noise, helping with some sharpening, I think those all do amazing jobs. And I think at the appropriate place in the workflow, you can get some amazing results. You can also get some really wonky results. You've got to really kind of have a discerning eye to look for artifacts and things that appear that you don't want in the images. But overall, those tools do an amazing job. So I don't want to focus on the actual how-to of using a particular plugin or a particular feature inside of Photoshop or Lightroom that's AI-driven to drive the conversation. What I wanted to talk about was as we approach and think about the creation of an image and how we think about what that image does to us as the creator and what is sort of the purpose of the photograph. And again, in the thinking about distinguishing, again, not from a good or bad standpoint, not from a quality standpoint, because there's some amazing AI journey images that have fooled millions of people into thinking that they're real photographs. So this isn't a question of quality, but it's a question of sort of the experience of working with the photograph and working with photography. And I think one of the things that's really interesting about photography, and one of the things that I think photography is used for that a lot of times we sort of forget when we're thinking about trying to create fine artwork or sell work or turn into a professional or all the kind of bubbles we put around, you know, being better at photography. But a lot of photography is about the experience of being somewhere. It's about me remembering somewhere I've been or some people that I met or some people that I know and the experiences we're collectively having at that moment. And so when I take photographs of a latte over with a friend who's sucking down a latte and I take a portrait of them with the latte, I'm not trying necessarily to make the most amazing photograph. What I'm trying to do is use that photograph to help jog my memory, to help me reconnect to a, an important part of my life something that truly mattered to me that I felt was worth taking notes for. 
In a lot of ways, a huge percentage of our photography is note-taking. I want to remember being at the intersection of Hollywood and Vine on a trip to Hollywood when I was looking at the Walk of Fame so that I can remember that there was a time that I was here. And hopefully, when I look at that photograph, it will bring back the memories I have of that trip. Same thing if I'm going to Europe or if I'm going out to Yellowstone or if I'm just going into the city, just something to help me remember what that experience was like. And I think that's a really important factor, a really important element of working with photography is that in many cases, it's about the establishment and the ability to reconcile and hold on to memory. I think there's another interesting aspect that is sort of germane to the way we work as photographers. And it is counter to sort of how we create the AI image, images because of the nature of how the image is created. One of the most exciting times and one of the most interesting times of working with photography is when you get to see the images in sequence. In the old days, we would call this the contact sheet. It's also one of the reasons why I don't like to delete images that aren't that interesting, but are meet the quality bar where they're in focus and things like that, that are in, sort of in a sequence. And the reason for that is there's something about when we're making photographs and we're making a number of them, whether it's, it's street photography, portraiture, family photos, we can start to sort of see how the elements of life unfolded to the photographer. How did the elements of framing, composition, light, and gesture evolve as the photographer got a different sense of seeing the world? How did they ultimately land on the photograph that became the photograph they chose to share, process, print, whatever they did with it? But of the thousands and thousands of photographs they took, in the order they shot them in, this became the one that got pulled out of that. And I think it's really interesting from a learning perspective to go back to our own work and see as I look down the line and I made a photograph walking up to the street, closer to the subject, in front of the subject, past the subject, down the other side of the street, to look at that whole sequence and say, oh, that one was the good photograph. You know, we see this with Migrant Mother with Dorothea Lange. There's five plates of that woman in that family. As Dorothea Lange got closer and closer and, and worked with the woman and her kids to ultimately get what is one of the most iconic photographs. And it's fascinating to go look at the images that led up to that iconic photograph. And I think that's one of the really compelling parts about photography is, again, because photography is about teaching us to see the world, sticking with Dorothea Lange. It teaches us to see. And our ability to understand and process and think about photography comes from what did we learn from the prior snap that we can then apply to the next snap and to the next click and to the next photograph. As we go down the line making those photographs, each one is a building block to the next photograph. And so as we look at our own work or we're out in the field photographing, this is what's happening subconsciously and consciously within us is we're trying to build a better and better frame. Within that process, we're learning. And to be able to go back and look at how did we get to that process is interesting. At the same time, it's why I recommend the books Magnum Contact Sheets and Contact Sheets because to go back and look at some of the most iconic photographs from some of the biggest names in photography who worked for those agencies, what was their process and what was the photo editor's process in selecting that great image? And that's something that I think we lose in many ways when we move to artificial intelligence-driven images is we lose the ability to understand how the photographer got there. 
Because again, we're feeding it prompts. And I could look at the list of sentences and prompts and words that are used to create that photograph. But that is distinctly different from actually going out into the world and seeing how did the world unfold? How did my scene of things in reality unfold so that I could, in fact, make that photograph? Now, if in the artificial intelligence world, we got to see every rendition of that image to then decide at what point did we think that photograph was done, could also be an interesting exercise. But that's more an interesting exercise in the verbal language used to describe what that photograph should look like. Because it's, again, it's not about the world in which it exists. It's about a world that is being created driven by language, which is amazing and fascinating and cool. But again, that study is then more a linguistic study of the verbal language than a linguistic study of the visual language, which is what we use in photography a lot. I think the other interesting part about thinking about the impact of AI and how we think about the generation of those images versus photographic images, I think one of the things that hallmarks photography is the errors and flaws in photography. The introduction of artifacts, the introduction of things not being exactly perfect. You know, it was one of the things when we moved from film to digital, you heard a lot was that digital felt really sterile. It was too clean. It was too perfect. It was too perfectly reproducible. All which is just sort of grouchy ways of saying film is different and digital is different. But in that same conversation, in that same language, which we repeated over and over again, by the way, we had this conversation about large format photography to small format photography. We had this from black and white to color. So it's not like a new discussion we're having here. But a lot of those flaws, a lot of those little inconsistencies we see in the photographic process, because again, it's bound to the real world, makes the photography inherently different. And if we think about painting, if I'm out with a plein air painter and I'm a plein air photographer. So we're out in the natural world, natural light, natural colors, trying to recreate the world as it exists. That painter gets to decide whether or not that park bench is going to be there. I photograph and I have to have that park bench there. Now, I could go into Photoshop and I could remove that park bench. But during the actual creation of that scene, of that photograph, at that moment, the painter can choose to skip it. I, as the photographer, am bound to that. As an AI generator, when I create an AI image, I don't want that park bench there. I'm not going to describe a park bench being there. I'm going to bypass it because it is no longer bound by that park bench being present. And in many ways, that's where I think the artificial intelligence world we're looking at moves more towards almost painting in many ways than it does photography because of its unboundness from the actual creation of the frame that is, again, bound by the real world. Now, this is not a, you know, an attempt to say that what's happening in the artificial intelligence world isn't fascinating and isn't interesting and is not cool and is not generating amazing images, because it is. But again, they're different because their fundamental stand on which they work and operate is different. And so for all those times I get asked, what do I think of artificial intelligence and images? I think it's pretty cool, but I think it's something different. And I think it's one of the things that I mentioned in the last podcast. I think as photographers, you know, that boat already, that boat, ship, train, plane already left the station and gate. So the cat's out of the bag. The cows are in the pasture. We have to recognize that that's out there. And 
rather than have the negative response that it needs to go away or it should be something different or we can't use it or or it's not really art because it's created by the computer, we need to think of it for what it is and how we use it. And it is a different tool to teach us something, again, so dependent on the verbal language to describe and articulate, which could take hours and hours and hours longer than it could to actually make the photograph. But again, because the way it's created, the way it's composited together is so different than the experience of, again, seeing how the world truly unfolded in front of you, recognizing the moment where you saw something that was uniquely your own is different. And in many ways is exciting for a different reason. And that's why I think it's important for us to continue to have the conversations of artificial intelligence and the impact on imagery, because it can make a huge difference in how we understand photographs, how we describe photographs, how we have language around photographs. One of the things I'm most excited about with artificial intelligence is on the other end. We are building and are going to have to build really amazing language to be able to create those artificial intelligent images, which means that the foundation on which we are standing to describe other types of visual medium is going to be enhanced because the language is getting more specific. The way we describe light, the way we describe color, the way we describe form and figure and shape all gets much more exacting in this process. And that provides a stronger lattice for us to stand on to talk about images, whether they're AI generated or not. So I think it's a really interesting time, a really exciting time. I hope you have a wonderful week behind the camera. Thanks for listening to my little rant here on artificial intelligence and image making, image creation. Hope you have a wonderful week behind the camera or a wonderful week behind Dolly making your own image. Anyway, thanks again for being a part of the podcast community. Really do appreciate it. And I'll see you next time.